This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the show, which features Beelzebub, a.k.a. Mark Zimmer from the German outfit Mystic Circle. The band is back. The group last released an album in 2006. It's been a lengthy hiatus. They're back. But for the two fellas at the centre of the outfit, that being Beelzebub and his compadre, A. Blackwall, they haven't recorded together in the group since 1999. So that's a gap of 21 years or thereabouts. I think the album was recorded last year, which makes it 21 years, if you're wondering why I'm saying that. So, before we get to the chat, if you're listening via the podcast, we're going to hear a tune. From the album, it's the first cut, titled, Belial Is My Name. If you're listening via the YouTube streaming service, and many of you do, we're going to cut to the conversation straight away. Here we go.
Fuck. Hey, mate. How's things? Yeah, fine. <laughs> you? Yeah, thank. Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for for taking the time to have a chat. I appreciate that. Uh, it was outside of your regular schedule. I think uh, when Anne organised everything, so I appreciate it, mate. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for your interest. Very cool. I think we have half an hour from the record company, so little chat. Yeah, yeah, they organise sure. everything. Yeah, cool. Yeah, very good. <laughs> How does it how does it feel like to be back in the game? First of all, I know you've been out of uh, the industry for well over ten years or thereabouts. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I've not been away. I, I quit music or the the, the music career in two thousand eighteen. Hmm. When I quit Mystic Circle in two thousand seven, uh, I did the punk rock for ten years. So oh, okay. I've been I've been straight on tour, but. I get sick and tired of it, and so I uh, I decided to quit in 2018. Yeah, and never thought that Mystic Circle is coming back again. <laughs> but now it's it's it, it has happened, and uh, yeah, with the new CD, and yeah, it feels good. It feels good That's to bring great. our our uh, old spirit back. The old spirit is back, and uh, yeah, we are complete. Um, inspired of this thing so yeah it's good yeah a, a punk band tell me what what sort of what can you describe the punk music that you were playing and the name of the band that you were playing in yeah it's my second passion uh it's like i don't want to um, tell the name of the band but um it's punk rock and roll so i, I was not a leader of it um um i only want to go off to on tour and um Play music. That's all. So, but it's my second passion, you know. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, your first passion, if if I could call it that, uh, is of course the the new album, uh, courtesy of the band Mystic Circle. It's <coughs> great to see you guys back and doing your thing. Uh, Thank look, you very the new, much. The new album is a self titled affair. And uh, look, the first thought that uh, I had when I found out that you were back, the band was back, is that. You're bringing things full circle, excuse the pun. <laughs> Mystic circle, you're bringing things full circle. Sorry, had to go there. For the group, do you, do you feel the same way? Well, of course, because uh, when when we are not 100% um, satisfied with, with that result or with our with our vision of that, we, we don't bring out another CD so or another album or another video or something like that. Um, it was clear from the beginning when Blackworm, my partner and myself, we, um, we met at the uh, 23rd of December in 2020. It was one, one evening for Christmas Eve. And we talked about this Mystic Circle, how it sounds, how it should sound today. And uh, yeah, we were complete on the same level. And next day we start to record pre, uh, we record um, some songs and uh, yeah, we were hundred percent in it now and we are completely inspired and the old spirit is back. So it's very cool. Mm. Look, your last record with Swen was in 1999 on the, uh, on the album, which was regarded. I think it's one of, one of your, you know, your, your classic albums, so to speak, Infernal Satanic Verses. <coughs> do, do, do you feel as though this reunion with Sven is uh like it's a second win in so far as it sets you up for many more years of albums and tours. 
Well, that's the point. Um, Blackwell and myself, we came together and uh, we are the founding members. And when we started the band in 1992, mm. we have um, some visions. We were good friends at this time. We were metal kids. We were punks, young punks. And we want to start um, dark, satanic, mystical music in that way. And as I said to you before, that old spirit is back. Mm. If we hadn't that feeling, uh, we we don't want uh, we don't um, release something new. But it's really complete. Like when when he quit in '99, it's the straight continuation of that. It's really cool. Okay, sweet. So picking up where you left off, so to speak, from back then. Nice, yeah. And uh, that hints at something else. The characteristic. Uh, that uh, I think fans are truly going to appreciate about this new album is that it feels and sounds similar to your old material, of course. You've just mentioned it there. And another thing too, you always had spooky elements and things that could almost be borrowed from a band like Pink Floyd, but you've kept the intensity intact. So were you were you tempted this time around to experiment and to take the band into different territory or was it was it ultimately just a conscious effort to pick up where you left off, as you say? Mm. Um, I think, yeah, of course, it's uh, um, this symphonic horror elements are a big, mm. big point of Mystic Circle. But I think um, nowadays we are much better songwriters and we use not on this album, especially we use more of this horror, dark, satanic effects, uh, strange effects, strange sound. Um, in the older days, we use more this symphonic um attributes so um yeah but uh, it's yeah i, I think uh, when i uh, should describe the music of music serve i think it's like when you uh, or we try to do it like when we close your uh, when you close your eyes you have something like a movie like a horror movie or like a dark movie yeah. or like like a mystical movie so it's like like when you paint a picture or something, you know. You can, um, yeah, you can uh, spread your fantasy uh, over it. So mm. that's yeah, a, well, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, mission accomplished on that front. Yeah, so, something else <laughs> about the album that I've got to compliment you over is the sound. The production is pristine. So, can you tell me about how you achieved that? Ah, mm. uh, we worked together. I will say uh, with our producer needs and uh, he, I say he is not, but I, 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 I count him like a third member at this time and uh, Black One myself do the whole pre-production. But when we come together with him, it's the final step. You know, he's a very good musician and we work together as a team and um, we we want to, to to have this brutal modern sound compared with disharmonic melodies. Mm. So and I think it's the first time in our career when okay it's another technique than in the nineties, but you have a much more modern technique. But we we are fans of this modern punchy punch in your face sound. So yeah, and we are really satisfied with it. So on the next albums uh, we work together as a team also. Mm. Your music would suffer at this point if you went that lo-fi route. I know that's never been your bag, but uh, there's that temp. There's that fans love that cult sound, you know, the old uh, mayhem sound or whatever. But your music would suffer if that happened to it. Yeah, 
I agree complete. Um, and that's why I, you know, the, the, the people say, ah, you play black metal and blah. Um, I would say we are very influenced by this heavy metal. Mm. But um, of course, the lyrical concept, and uh, we are very interested in that dark art. And But um, yeah, we, <clears throat> I think, as you said, in our sound, in our mel uh, combination of melody and this uh, horror samples, this sound is the best. If we go on this raw sound, it would not, uh, yeah, it would not happen. It mm. wasn't, yeah, it, it would be not good for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete right, yeah, I agree. The choice of, of the hardware, so I'm talking about guitars, basses, drum kits, this sort of thing. How important was that for you to achieve the, the classic sound that you've managed across the album? What do you mean exactly with that? So I, I'm a musician myself and uh, I play Music Man basses and I play Galleon Kruger amplifiers, so I know the sound that I'm trying to achieve straight away and I've, it's a product of about a quarter of a century, 25 years of playing that I've end up that, ended up that way. I've tried other things, but that's where I've gone. So for my playing, it's very important for me to uh, have that gear in order for me to feel comfortable. There's the key word, comfortable. So when yeah. you're writing a tune, do you, do you go for, say, just say, for, let's pick, for example, a Fender Stratocaster, or have you got a... Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Are, yeah. are the guitar, yeah. the choices of guitars, are they very important to you yeah. being able to create the quality of sound? Yeah. Um, I think for the solos, yeah, it's, we use different sounds. It's like a, a, a colleague from you asked me that question, but I, um, I didn't understand him quite well. Um, yeah, we use different uh, sound, uh, different, different bases. Uh, no, no, the bases is ESP. Um, but I also have this Fender at home. Nice. Um, we, we use, uh, for pre-recording, we use the Kramer. Kramer. Kramer? Jackson, yeah, Jackson, sure. sorry. Okay. Uh, Jackson, Kramer, and uh, ESP. ESP. Okay. And also, I got a Fender at home, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, for the drums, we use samples, for example. So, mm. uh, um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did it take yeah, you? I think with it. No, did it take you a long time though to experiment with different guitars and sounds and even microphones and the like? Because the, as I say, the, the sound quality is pristine. And look, you can use plugins. Sure, I get that. I get that you can record things very dry and no effects whatsoever, and then put all of the plugins under the sun to make things happen. But uh, the yeah. source still has to be very good, meaning you have to feel comfortable yourself <clears throat> with the way that you're playing. Of course, things. of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, when we go in the studio, the drum lines are complete finished. So we work with the drum lines down there in the studio and know how it is. Um, yeah, no, um, we had no problems with it for the beginning. Niels is a very experienced musician also. So we have we had no problems with that. From the beginning, we said, wow, wow, that is the direction when we first mm -hmm. met. And that is what exactly what we want exactly then in this. And that's the result is that it's exactly what we want to have. Yeah, no, indeed. For but, sure. uh, but, but um, sometimes it's uh, because we have so much in it from the samples, from there is something, there is something, there is a small piece. Sometimes you must take care um, 
that you that you have the right mix you know that that's the main problem i think in, in our music getting the right mix i agree with you yeah. on that point there so <laughs> So how many how many editions of the uh, of the final product, the mix, if you like, did you listen to before you sent it off for mastering? Was that an <laughs> arduous? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we we did this. We did the mastering all in all in the mix. Uh, Nils is very fast in it, so um, it was not so much. Maybe uh, I can tell. It was different from from song to song. Maybe in average three, four, maybe. Okay, gosh, that's not too bad. But we know what we want because we we are in in, uh, in tight contract. It's not so that we go three weeks in the studio. We are in the studio the whole whole year. Um, it's like we go once uh, once a week. We go to Niels most of the time. Mm. But the pre production, we don't rehearse. Black one myself. When we rehearse, we we uh, record songs. <laughs> mm. That's it. So we record the whole year. It's not like other bands, they go four weeks in the studio and then you have to finish it. No, it's like, yeah, we work on it the whole year. Yeah. So we, by, the way, by the way, we are on the second album in the studio and the third album is almost written in the wow. pre-production. Nice. Fans are going to appreciate that. So that will come out within the next 12 months, I take it. <laughs> uh, the second, Maybe. yeah, we we yeah, we we must speak with Atomic Fire Records, but next year it comes out the second album, I guess. But I How don't did, know when. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, these things are yet to be determined. I get that. Yeah. How did the relationship with Marcus come about then? And Atomic Fire, of course. Uh, Marcus is a very old. I I can't say he's a friend of us. Um, he did the promotion of our first record, Morgenröth. It was in 1996, so he knows us about 25 years now or something. And we are always in, in contact. He, he went to Nuclear Blast at this time. Yeah, and then he started his great Atomic Fire uh, record label now, so it's fantastic. Yeah, it was great to see you guys back. Because Marcus has a killer ear and you look at that roster on Atomic Fire and you think, how can it get any better? And then you guys join. And I mean that when I, when oh, I say that because, <laughs> because there's there's some legacy bands that, that are very important to fans. You're one of them. Um, so the, I take it from what's your, I mean, this is not really a question about you guys, but your relationship with Marcus, from your perspective, do you see that he's just moved into total passion project territory where he's signing the bands that he loves? I guess because um, first you must say we deal with complete passion metal guys, but mm. you also deal with the one of the best team and promoters and workers on the mu in the music business. So um, yeah, I think Marcos of course um, uh, signed bands he likes, but also. Um, he sees potential, uh, commercial potential. Uh, otherwise, yeah, he, yeah. I, I see both sides. Um, and I must say, um, since we are on this label, it feels like family. It's a big family. They complete stand your back. It's like you can do, uh, 
you you can um, realize your your whole uh, visions. We are um, almost every day in contact, and yeah, it's it's really great. It's the best thing, the best label we ever had. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you talk about aspirational the aspirational aspect of the band because a lot of underground you know when i say underground bands i think you know where i'm headed you know they go no we just do this for the art we don't care about the audience but i don't see how that can be ever be truly the case so for for you guys i know you've got great success in europe but success in america have you have you do you get a lot of fan emails and comments and the like and you know when you see the demographics of where your listenership is because north america is the commercial bonanza let's face it i mean that's the biggest single market do you you think you've got a shot this time around at even greater success in north america um yeah I guess, yeah, it could be, it could happen because um, you always must say um, this music, what we play is a, is a Europe thing. Mm. So like death metal in my eyes is from, from the States, but this dark, this black metal is complete Europe. And um, yeah, I think um, as, as we started the promotion and we have lots of interviews all over the world. So, mm. um, I don't know, let's see what's happened, but yeah, we have, we have good reactions from all over the world. So yeah, we will see. Yeah, I, I think, um, if we go, we, we are, we have no touring plans at the moment, but I think, um, if the time is right, there is no problem um, to come over to North America. I don't think so, but we will see what's happening. Or Australia. Have you heard much from us over the years? Ah, um, we've been on tour with Mystic Circle in 2006, I guess, in Australia. For okay. But it was very small. It was not. Um, I think, yeah, I, was, I love the country. I, love, I really love the country. But I think in Australia, you must be quite big. And I, yeah. I don't know, you must have a good promoter and then you play no, maybe three or four shows, not more, I guess. That's about right. Yeah, yeah you're spot on. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, you've nailed it. Yeah, I mean, we're a small territory down here, all things considered. Yeah. The metal fans are limited in, in, limited in number but extremely passionate. I'd say I think German fans might be the, the most passionate in the world if I could make that observation, but I think we might be just behind the German fans. So, yeah, I mean, if you came down, you'd, you'd have at least 150, 200, which doesn't sound like huge numbers, I know, but that's big numbers for us turning into I know, a yeah, show. I know, yeah. Yeah, but uh, if we come over, we must play uh, with with uh, bigger headliners or something. But it, 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 as I said before, live uh, live playing is not not planned for the moment. We we just wait what's going on and how big it is because we have some visions that we do a big show with fire and, and oh, yeah. stage pictures and um, so. That will cost money, and then you must have a a bigger size. Mystic Circle is not the biggest band, so we yeah. will see. Well, but maybe point, with this, with that label. Yeah, well, you maybe never know. With that, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I spoke to Eric Danielson from Watain because when Watain came down to Australia. 
Eric was saying, yeah, for all the reasons that that you've alluded to about the cost of production, bringing things so far away and having all of the stage props and like, it was actually impossible for them to bring their stage show to Australia. So they ditched their entire stage show. And uh, they said, well, they and this might appeal to you, given your punk background, that the group made a conscious effort to, do, to be the Ramones version of Watain. And I've got to tell you, I thought the shows, I mean, I attended one of the shows in person. I thought it was better than the full production because you just saw the band standing in front of you. They had a couple mm-hmm. of stage props, but they were just bang straight at you, just staring at the audience. And there was that feedback. And even Eric told me that his that fans in Sweden and Germany, they were very jealous of us Australian fans that we got to see the band like that because they'd never played like that before. <laughs> so there's always that opportunity okay. to do something a bit different. Of course, yeah. Um, but as I said before, we, we must see. We are not a big band. Latain is uh, now lots bigger than, than us and mm. uh, um, worldwide. So we will see. We will see. But yeah. um, as I said before, um, I love the country. Um, we had a few good shows, but there were small people. Um, but very passionate, as I said to you, yeah. Yeah. And I think you have you have to pick up the best promoters then in uh, in Australia if you come over. Yeah, there's not too many. There's not too many, and I think yes. uh, the sound works. Dicey, a fellow called Dicey, who's brought out Behemoth, uh, Watain, all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, there's there's a couple of very very good promoters that really know yeah. their shit. You know, I mean, Dicey was the one that handled yeah. Phil Anselmo. When he came out, remember oh, when right. Phil, remember oh, when right. Phil Anselmo came out, and there was the issues in New Zealand where the authorities there said, "You know, you can't come here," and or what have you, and you can't play there. And he handled all of that stuff there. And I know, I know Dicey, and he's he's a total pro in that regard. I think if you can cool, handle wow. something like that, you can yeah. handle you can handle almost anything that you get thrown at you because you know what the mainstream media is like, mate. They've got their narrative and they pick up on things and tend to focus on only the most <clears throat> negative aspect of something, you know. So, um, yeah. but to, flipping the subject slightly, your, your lyrical themes this time around, were, were there any particular topics that you wanted to address specifically across the album? Well, when, um, uh, I think when you, when, when you listen to that album from the beginning till the end, I think you can easily listen it. Um, and it sounds a little bit like the concept album, but it is not. It's from the lyrics, not. Mm. Um, but when you go deeper in it, from the musical aspect first, um, um, you hear it once, you hear it twice, you hear it three times, four times. You always discover little things. I think you must go fully into it. And uh, it opens, I think it opens a world of, darkness of horror a little bit and yeah yeah uh, from the from the musical side it's not only the satanic aspect um it's also mystery things it's um also about for example one song is about a werewolf a wolf demon so we are we are not or about demons about armageddon we are not only um interested in this satanic aspect we are interested in in this whole area of mystical stories of mm. legend of old ancient legend of horror stories of yeah it's really cool to discover this whole this whole area 
It is. You're right. Yeah. Just talking about your interest in Satanism, are you more of a, do you more like veer toward the LaVey philosophy or is it more of a theistic philosophy? Yeah. Um, to me, the sign of Satan was always strong and it was never a negative figure or something. It's when I was younger, it was more a thing of rebellion. Hmm. of rebellion side. Now it's more a sign of um, inspiration. But I also must say, um, to me, in the, yeah, till now, it's, it's also a sign against this conservatory, against this institution of the Holy Church, which is completely ridiculous, you know, <laughs> in my eyes. Um, yeah, it's, it's still, uh, when, I, when I go, for example, when I go um, uh, write lyrics or something, I close my eyes and uh, I, I use this energy. It's like energy, it's like inspiration, it's freedom. And it's also an opponent. So, um, yeah, against society, when you're younger, you're a rebel. Um, yeah. And we are, of course... Uh, um, yeah, we, we, we like this, some philosophies of Anton Santolare. But yeah. he also say it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's freedom of art, it's against this conservative, against the conservative uh, society. That's more the thing now for me, what is, uh, what is Baphomet or Satan uh, should mm. be. Yeah, it's definitely morphed, hasn't it, these days? The perception that I certainly have, correct me if I'm wrong, it might be different in Germany, but Satanism is almost mainstream in Australia. It's so common in terms of seeing people identify as either theistic Satanists or uh, philosophically aligned with LaVey that you even get advocacy groups, like the advocacy groups associating themselves with LGBTQTI. Uh, interests, mm. interests, interests to you know, Satanists for refugees, this sort of stuff. Satanism has aligned itself with social causes. Has that happened mm. also in Germany? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think um, the, the good thing is about for me about this Satanism. It's like um, it has always a negative aspect, but it is not. Um, to me, it means freedom and it means individualism. So you can build your own world. It has not for me. It has nothing to do with a sect or something. Or um, to me, it's more inspiring. It's it's more yeah. And as I said, yeah, as you as you said, it's more mainstream nowadays. But you must say um, uh, when when the Church of Satan uh, in the sixties or seventies, I don't know when the, when they uh, were founded, um, it was rebellion against this conservative. American uh, society, so it was a big thing at, at this time, and yeah. I think uh, Lavey was a very intelligent uh, guy, you know. So yeah, yeah, and um, as I also said uh, before, for me it was when I was younger, it was really a rebellion. Mm. We get much in trouble with that, um, and nowadays I'm quieter, but it 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 goes. Through, through all my life, this figure. So, but nowadays, I use it more to meditate, to, to have it as a sign of strength for me, mm. individualism. Yeah. 
Well, I, I remember reading LaVey's Satanic Bible and just thinking it, it felt like a self-help book. It didn't feel like a moral or uh, an instruction, so to speak, like, say, the Bible or even the Quran. It felt far more like as if it was saying, be you, be the best, very best version of you that you can find. And I loved the aspect of that if someone disrespects you, you don't need to turn the other cheek. You can strike back. I thought that was yeah. great because a lot of people feel intimidated by by uh, yeah. the shackles of society and people who fuck with them constantly, and there's no need to turn the other cheek. Of course, and that's that was the, the, the point. And, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say much more. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've got time for one more question, so I'm going to make it, I'm going to try, try to wrap things up with a good one. When you look back over, can you kind of call it your career with Mystic Circle? What, what gives you the greatest sense of accomplishment? What do you mean um, with accomplishment? What do you feel most exactly. proud of? What, what makes you happiest ah. and yeah, most proud of you? Yeah. Ah, it's it's like um, I feel nowadays since I'm with my partner Blackwa again together, I can say it's it's a way of life. This this is our brand. This is our world. Um, this is something we can be proud of in the shit world. We go in the world of Mystic Circle and we create our own world and our own music, our own merchandise, our own lyrics. Um, it's great. All in all, this package is, it's life for me. It's like, it goes through my life for 30 years, more than 30 years now. So it's cool. But I must say, um, I wouldn't do it without Black War because mm. he's the heart and I am the heart of Mystic Circle. It beats only with with. It only beats hundred percent with with the combination of us two. Yeah, I suppose you found that out after he left in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Because this sound, yeah. Yeah. this sound can only happen when we both come together. That's the, the unique Mystic Circle sound. So. Well, you got a classic sound, and, and congratulations on on recognizing that. Okay, that the band can only continue once the two of you are back in forces. Because uh, if I could say you're the spirit, he's the heart, vice versa. You know, you, for, for the band to happen, that that needs to be there. Fans appreciate it. I can tell you that fans understand what's going on and they appreciate it. So, so look, congratulations again on on this killer album. It's a self titled affair. It'll be out later on this month, uh, I think. Of course, I've got a copy, and I've had many listens to it. Extremely enjoyable you bought the old spirit back if anybody wants to listen to killer cult vibe old school black metal with occasional death metal flourishes but with those with those haunting effects that you guys do nobody does it better thanks so much for the conversation brother thank you my friend thank you thanks for your interest no no worries at all mate okay catch you have a great one thanks cheers there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Beelzebub, a.k.a. Mark Zimmer from the German outfit, Mystic Circle. So glad those guys are back and doing their thing. Right. I've got a book out. It's titled Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. Please support it. Go across to my website, scarsandguitars.com. Follow the links up the top. There's a tab that says books. 
and you can, depending when you listen to this, of course, it's only a few days before the 20th of February, so you can pre-order it now. After the 20th of February, it should be on Amazon. So if you're a Kindle user, go ahead, download it. But look, you're all media savvy these days. You can go to any of the marketplaces. There's about seven or eight marketplaces from which you can download the book from, and you can convert it into the, is it is the word technology? or the format, sorry, the format, that's the correct terminology of your choice. And you can read my book, which is all about the podcast. It's a, it's an autobiographical account of my perspective on many of the conversations that I've conducted for Scars and Guitars. It should be obvious per the title, but just in case it isn't, I've given that explanation. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of Scars and Guitars and I've just written the Scars and Guitars book. Until next time. It is a very good buy for now.